musical makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. On this week's episode, it's just you and me for another highly requested Master Sales Series episode. I'm your host, George Leith, and today we're talking about the top 10 sales metrics on another Master Sales Series episode. I'm calling all of you sales leaders, managers, captains, coaches. When it comes to sales, accountability is the key, and it's up to you to hold your sales team accountable to their personal and the business goals. But how can you do it? We're going to round up 10 of the top 10 sales metrics that you need to be tracking in order to lead a high-performing sales team in today's episode. So get ready, Conquerors. The top 10 sales metrics are coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Well, let's get rolling. We got a lot to cover. We got 10 metrics. Number one, well, let's start at the best part, the win rate. It is also known as the opportunity to win ratio. It measures the success of the sales team. And for you, it measures your success. For each opportunity over a given period of time, when are we winning? It helps identify the individual weaknesses and strengths of the reps, or if we're looking inward or at ourselves, we can go back and analyze a call or a transaction and say, how, me, how might we have got a better result? So the win rate is something that we need to be keep, keeping an eye on. It's the total number of closed one opportunities, divide them by all the opportunities over a period of time. We can look at it weekly, we can look at it monthly, quarterly, annually, but you get the idea on the win rate. It's number one. Then at number two, we have conversion rate. It's also referred to as the close rate, but this conversion rate will paint a better picture of the effectiveness of your sales funnel. See, there's a lot of factors as to why deals are not converting. Lead generation sits at the top of the funnel and prospects work their way through the funnel by your hand, the work that you're doing as a sales professional or your team is doing. The metric gives both your sales and marketing arms insights into the quality of the leads and the way that we're working those leads through the buyer's journey. To calculate your conversion rate, take the total number of new customers and divide them by the number of leads, multiply by 100. A good software as a service conversion rate or SaaS conversion rate is considered typically to fall within three to 5%. A strong conversion rate is anything north of 8%. If you are converting at a higher rate than that, you probably don't have enough deals in the funnel. I love talking to a rep. They're like 75% closing rate. You got a hell of a lot more work to do because you should be putting more. You're taking the safe way out. You're just going in and converting the stuff you know will convert. You're not working the deals through so you can get a lot more leads. And that's always the response that I have on those very high conversion rates. Number three is average deal size. 
It's the third sales metric to track. What is your average deal size? Now you can't double your deal size if you don't know what your current deal size is. So it's important to understand, look across all your deals, calculate the average, and then let's figure out ways that we can increase, increase the average revenue per paying account. This is gonna act as a guideline for deals and it'll help you to hit the monthly quota so you know that your quota is Y and you're converting at an average deal size is X and your conversion rate is A, let's say. Run that math and you can figure out if you got a hope of hitting your quota or not. And then we can go back and talk about how many opportunities we have in the pipeline. See, it's all math at the end of the day. Speaking of math, number four is the average days to close. It comes, uh, it's a really important piece. Sometimes I like to look at the average weeks to close as well if we have a longer sales cycle. But typically we can use average days to close. It's a key performance indicator and it's rooted in the time it takes a rep to close a deal starting from the first point of contact with a prospect. You've heard me talk about deal cycles that are years in the making and that's usually larger enterprise sales or maybe it's just the fact that I'm a horrible salesperson. It took me a long time to get the deal done. I think it actually... The, the average days to close usually varies based upon the type of sale, meaning is it a large enterprise, multi-million dollar deal with numerous stakeholders, that average days to close is going to be longer. If it's a very small transactional type purchase, you might find that average days to be in the like single digits, but it depends at the end of the day. And there are lots of different sales cycles. In fact, as a sales rep, when you look at your pipeline, you might have deals that are closing in just a couple of days, and you might have other deals that are closing in months. You might have other deals that are closing in years. So we want to keep an eye out and measure maybe some of the averages. So to calculate the average days to close, combine the total number of days it took to close all the deals in that month and divide by the number of deals closed. It's real simple math. Deals worth less than two grand should take an average of 14 days. That's what we're seeing in the stats. Whereas enterprise deals worth 100K or more can take three to six months, or as I said, in deals that are multi-million dollar deals, it might even be into the years. Number five, we're halfway through, by the way, sales reps meeting quota. This is for all our managers and coaches leading larger teams. The percentage of sales reps meeting quota, and every sales team is different, by the way. But when you examine individual performance, you should factor into account how long the rep has been in the role. Are they proficient in what they're doing? And really, we start out with no quota attainment requirement in month one, give them some time for onboarding, and progressively work to 100% quota by month six, usually. It's what we're seeing on average. And then we can start to measure the percentage of sales reps meeting quota. And this will help you to understand how many reps you need on your team in order to hit the number being given to you by the C-suite or by your general manager. Number six, the time spent in each stage of the pipeline. I, I love adjudicating this from a sales management and coaching and even consulting stage where we come in and I was actually just working with a team last week. We were looking at their pipeline. So we went into their CRM and we were looking at the stages of the pipeline. And I noticed for a couple of the reps, they had a bunch of stuff clogged at stage two. And when I started asking questions around why that was happening, and unfortunately, some of the managers couldn't even give me answers, which shows that they're not doing pipeline hygiene. They're not doing what I've talked about over the years on this broadcast called the line by line. Let's get in there with the, it's hard work. You know, I probably very famously said that I'm not the most detail-oriented person out there. 
But I do like commission checks and I do like seeing reps that hit their quotas. So spending that time with a sales rep to understand where things are clogged in the pipeline are pretty important. What is the time spent in each stage of the pipeline? Can you answer that? It'll reveal how your prospects are working their way through the pipe, but more importantly, it will reveal where your sales reps might require further training to move a deal to that next stage and ultimately through to have a relationship with your organization. Number seven, your monthly sales. It's, it's a long way into the list, isn't it? But it's a very important piece. Now, you're probably going to tell me, come on, George, this is way too obvious. But examining monthly sales and comparing them to target, I think is something sometimes reps don't like looking at because they know they don't have a hope in hell of hitting the number. So it's like ostrich pipeline management. Just stick your head in the sand and hope that it sorts itself out when you pull your head out. Like when the storm is passed, magical deals are falling out of the pipe. But we all know that that doesn't happen. I also admire business professionals that deal with the stinky stuff first. But my point is, is we have a tendency if we're salespeople to be glasses half full. That's what makes us good. We look at a challenge and we go, opportunity. And most people out there, realists go, you're an idiot. But that's what makes us great salespeople. So we also have a tendency to put the stinky stuff off to the side. And this, I believe, is one of the reasons why sometimes sales reps don't look at their monthly sales numbers. And they don't look at how they compare to quota. And they don't look what's in the pipeline. It's a great way to see if the forecasting is right. And by the way, when I talk to a sales leader doing some consulting work and they can't give me a forecast, I know that they've got all sorts of challenges inside their frontline sales teams. That means that the reps, there's problems in there. I just, I can see it right from when they can't give me a forecast, not to mention the fact they can't accurately forecast. So first off, here's, a, here's something I want you to try. You're coaching a sales team. Start doing this. Every time you walk by a rep, say to them, what did you sell today? And they're going to give you, they're going to have to give you an answer. In the early days, they'll be like, uh, 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 unless they sold something, then they'll be like, oh, I just sold Brett. It was awesome. Six figure deal. But if they don't have that idea that they're going to be held accountable on a sale every day, you're going to see them stammer a little bit and you're going to start to build a bit of a culture. So, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, 10 years. I actually did it further in my career where I'm like, what do you sell today? And you'll notice that the reps are ready with an answer. But in order to be ready with an answer, you have to have made a sale. So this is a pretty important cultural shift where you have that expectation of we're going to make a sale every day or we're going to be thinking about. So here's how I would answer that if I didn't have a sale. I would say, you know what? I'm really close on X, Y, and Z. I've had three calls with them this week. We're getting close. Oh, by the way, why it's taken so long is it is a six-figure deal or it is a seven-figure deal. And I've been working. So basically what you do with that one single question as a coach is you get your reps thinking about their pipeline all the time. And you get them thinking about, I need to bring in a deal on a regular cadence. Now that could be daily. You're like, whoa, Leith, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on people. It really depends upon your organization. What is the expectation? Are we bringing business across the line daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually? I, you know, again, it's up to you, but you set the cadence as the leadership with this one. You see, I spent a lot of time on this, but it actually cascades into all of the other six items that I was referring to earlier. Now get ready. Here comes a dirty word. It's got five letters, starts with a C and it's called churn. 
And I don't like talking about it because the glass is always half full. I don't like talking about my losses. But at number eight, we need to understand churn rate. On a very famous episode of this show, my mentor and very good friend and probably one of the smartest business people I've ever met in my career, Jeff Falkimer, made the very famous line, you cannot outsell churn. And we need to know what it is. It's like, the, you know, you know there's a train coming to hit you every month and you're just going to stick your head in the sand and hope that it doesn't hit you. Yet you're standing on the tracks. Like that is, that's a new definition for insanity. The previous definition used to be doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But now you're standing on the train tracks, you get hit by a train every month because of churn and you refuse to address it. It is one of the most important metrics, but why salespeople don't like spending time is we don't focus on our losses, we focus on our wins. But I get it because for years and years and years in my career, I made this mistake. But when I started focusing on why I was losing, I was actually able to go back and reverse engineer and fix that problem. Here's the problem why you're losing, idiot. You're not following up properly with your customers. Here's the problem why you're losing, idiot. You overpromise that product and service doesn't do the things that you said. Film review technology is helping us. We're able to go back and watch the way we delivered the message because we lie. We lie to ourselves. It's the person we lie the most to. We're like, no, I didn't say that search engine optimization will get you on the first page of Google in 32 hours. And lo and behold, you watch the film review and you go, no, I did say that. Boom. Punch yourself right in the face. So I'm lamenting this point because I can't stress it enough. Number eight is really important. We need to know our churn rate. Take the number of customers you had at the start of the month. Subtract the number of customers you have at the end of the month. Divide that by the number of customers you had at the start of the month. And there you go. There's your churn rate. It's really that simple. But more than understanding your churn rate is understanding why. Why do I have churn rate? Am I lacking product market fit for the offering? Now I got to go back to product and talk to them about that. Did marketing overpromise and underdeliver on the website? The brand promise outlives what the product's able to do. So we need to understand this. Now, here's another reason that I've found churn. Inside our organization, anything under a six net promoter score gets a call from me. But I make a point of making these calls. And what I hear a lot of times is, I don't know who my rep is. Now, that's been happening with us, our organization, because we grow quickly and we're bringing new people in all the time. And we actually haven't positioned that we have that growth and we're doing a poor job of moving the customer. But by doing that call and understanding what the challenge is and why we got that low score, now I know that we got a problem there and we can go fix it. Now, do I like those calls? Well, the good news is I don't have to do very many of them. But I love those calls. They're some of my favorite calls all day long because I can get on all sorts of calls with raving fans that will blow sunshine you know where and make me feel good about the organization and things we're doing right. But what I really want to understand is when we're missing the mark. And I've been doing this long enough to know that when somebody leaves me a bad score on my net promoter score on an online review, there are a hundred other people that feel that way that just left. They didn't go as far as telling me that I did a piss poor job as the organization or as an individual. So we pay particular attention to that churn because we know that there's even more of it out there that we're not learning what the reason is. So number eight is vitally important, your churn rate. Lead response time, oh, it just blows me away the number of people that don't understand that when you send a communication to a prospect, 
whether it be an email, an SMS, a LinkedIn in-mail, and when they take some sort of action, like they respond, they open, they click through, you have to follow up immediately. That's when they're engaged. They've shown their intent. You know, how did Google build the billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar business that they did around search engine marketing? Because that is intent. I searched for the product or service because I had some level of intention. I was either doing research or I wanted to buy the bloody thing. Larry and Sergey come along, boom, insert search engine marketing, multi-billion dollar business. Because it's the best lead. The best lead is the one that raises their hand and says, I'm interested. So when you have prospects raising their hand, opening your email, going to your LinkedIn in-mail, you could see that you delivered the message and it was read in SMS. Don't not respond. You're like, oh, I might be bothering them. But, but you, you reached out to them. You put your content out there. They engaged in it. They're showing their intent. They are welcoming a communication. Worst case scenario, they could say not interested at this time, just doing research or they don't even respond. But I find, I'm going to quote some Zig Ziglar now, most salespeople lose deals because they are not enthusiastic enough compared to the deals they lose because they're too enthusiastic. I can count on one hand where I've had a prospect message me and say, Leith, dial it down. You're not my cup of tea. I've had all sorts of prospects say, love your energy, love your approach, love the fact that you followed up. I'm really interested in talking to you. You seem engaging, you know, all of those types of things. So I very rarely have I been punched in the face and someone said, don't ever talk to me again. I don't like the fact that you follow up too much. So I, I would rather defer to pushing hard, try and get a hold of that person because at the end of the day, I'm a professional salesperson, not a professional visitor. Next up is effort. I find that most organizations that are not hitting their metrics are because they don't have the effort in the right place at the right time. So you note that I was very careful in what I said. If you've been listening to this show, when I slow it down and deliver in that, I, I want to make a point. So I'm not saying you're not working hard. I'm just saying maybe we should work smarter. Maybe we should work based on the data. And this is the lie that we tell ourselves. We're like, no, I made the calls. Now I'm calling it out, but I, I want to make a point here. I've made all these mistakes and way more. Like we're going to get into comparing mistakes. I will win because I've made millions of mistakes in my career. But what I'm learning as I get older and wiser and I surround myself by really smart people that are teaching me is that it really is about working smarter and not about working harder. It's about making sure that the efforts you're deploying are getting you some level of outcome that you're expecting. And the good news is technology is on our side. So we need to have the effort. We have to work hard, but we need to look at those efforts and measure those things and see if they're getting us a bloody result. Number of emails sent, number of phone calls made, number of presentations booked, all of those things are really important. They measure sales effort. But from a leadership standpoint, if you're leading a team and you're seeing that a certain tactic is starting to work, make the pivot. Don't just sit here and wait months. Make the pivot now. The market is changing. If LinkedIn in-mail is where connections are being made, don't focus on making friggin' phone calls. Send more bloody LinkedIn in-mail messages. It really depends upon what's working for you at the time. If making calls at 8 to 10 a.m. in the morning is getting you a better conversion rate, 
push your team to make calls between 8 and 10 in the morning. And don't just sit here a month after the fact and go, why didn't you make calls from 8 to 10 in the morning? They're busy doing the stuff that you probably told them to do. So make sure that you're looking at those efforts. It's about working smarter and not all the time working harder. So there they are. The 10 metrics that we need to be myopically focused on as sales leadership. 74% of companies who fall short on their goals weren't tracking their lead or sales opportunity numbers. Like these things do not lie, this data. There are countless metrics that we can be looking at as sales leaders. I got this line, not mine, I stole it, but I love this. I don't need a lot of data to know my wife's mad at me. Like I just know. So same thing, if you're running your team and you are serving them properly, servant leadership, first one on the battlefield, you know, all that stuff, you know these numbers down cold. You're watching them because these are the metrics that you can help your team. Our CMO, Jeff Tomlin, likes to call it dialing the knobs, right? You know that everything's working great, pour more gas on the fire. These examples are just a drop in the bucket of all the stuff we need to keep our eye on if we're leading sales organizations. But at the end of the day, you can't, manage what you don't measure. So start with these 10 items. We have them right here in the show notes. See where this takes you in the next quarter. I guarantee you, if you focus on some of these and improving some of these with your team members, you will be a much happier sales leader and you will have a much happier sales organization 90 days from now. Please subscribe and leave us a review for the Conquer Local podcast. We love our conquerors, and thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Master Sales Series. My name is George Lee. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast, presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach. Executive producers Brendan King, George Leith, and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.